everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We have a really special interview for you guys today. We are talking with the star of Heartland. This is very exciting. Amber Marshall is here and I'm from critic Rachel Wagner and Cammie's here. Hi everybody. Yes. <laughs> Double hearty. And, and, yes. And Amber, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. We, we have a bunch of Heartland fans listen to our podcast and uh, we're so delighted to get the chance to talk with you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. Yeah. So uh, what we've been doing these last few months is kind of starting off just hearing, how have you been handling uh, this time of quarantine? How's it been for you? You've got a, you're, you've got a ranch, I believe. Uh, so maybe it's not been that different for you. What's the experience been like? You know, that's the funny thing. And I am so fortunate to be living where I live in a time like this. You know, you, you kind of just, you don't think about it until there's a, a world situation that has everybody basically housebound. And for me, I have 120 acres here to explore and take walks on and never be in contact with anyone um, other than my animals, which is so nice. And it's also nice in a time when we are self-isolating to be able to have that companionship from those animals because I think that's the worst thing that can happen to a person is loneliness and boredom. And when you live on a ranch, there's no such thing as boredom because there's always something to be done. And the animals don't just wait because the stores are closed. They need to be fed morning and night. The pens need to be cleaned. You know, all of these things happen regardless of what's going on in the world. So it's, it's almost a, a relief because it's something that can just keep me busy and keep my mind off all the negative things that are going on and hanging out with the animals is honestly my favorite thing to do anyway. So <laughs> not having to go into town hasn't been the worst thing. And, um, and I think it's been really nice to be able to, to connect through um, podcasts and zooms and things like that with all of the fans too, because everybody has a different situation and a lot of people are confined to a smaller space in town. And when I'm able to, to share you know, my life and my animals and the space I have out here, I think that it's, it's kind of a nice breath of fresh air to those people who are hoping to have something like this. How far are you from town? Um, not like I'm 25 minutes drive. So it's not bad. I can go in when I need all the necessities, but, mm -hmm. but it's all, it's also been a different experience for me because I have my own chickens, so I have eggs, and I have a Jersey cow, which I get milk from, but typically this time of year, I'm too busy to milk her. So I have, I put a couple orphan calves on her because she just produces so much milk, and um, and she gladly takes them on. But this year I said, no, I think I'm gonna, I think I'll milk you myself, and I'll use this fresh milk, and then I don't have to go into town hardly at all. So I have most of the necessities I need here, which has been really nice, and also it's just that added chore that keeps me busy and keeps my mind active, and yeah. I really enjoy it. How many animals do you have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I have... <laughs> I'm trying to think right now. Six horses, a few cows, uh, chickens, turkeys, ducks, alpaca, rabbits, dogs, cats. Um, oh there's, there's quite a few little friends out there that definitely keep me busy. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting it. for a spider in the doorway of the barn. You yes, have that too. <laughs> Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> there are quite a few actually. And I usually call them Charlotte as I walk by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. 
My friend has a uh, a farm in Ohio, uh, her and her family, and I'm always just amazed following her on Instagram because I'm just like, wow. I mean, she was saying yesterday that her her cow produced three gallons of milk one day, and yeah. I'm just it's like, incredible. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a really rewarding way of life too, you know, because it's like you give to them and they give back to you. And, uh, we sort of have a joke around here. It's like, we go into the hen house. It's like, you haven't paid your rent today. Like produce an egg, please. And you know, it's just like this, <laughs> this really nice way of interacting and all my animals are pets as well. So it's like, they all have names. They're all friendly. They all follow me around. And it's almost sometimes like I'm in a movie because I just, I look around and I think, wow, this is almost like it was created like this because it's so perfect. Mm-hmm. Your husband doesn't get jealous, does he? <laughs> no. <laughs> he usually limits though when I decide to bring home new animals. He says, do you really think this is a good idea? Do you really have time for this? <laughs> and that's, that is the worst part. And I have to say that, you know, in this time when we all are at home and maybe feeling lonely and have lots of extra time on our hands, our first instinct is to go out and adopt an animal. And I've had a lot of people tell me in the last little while, yeah, we brought home a puppy or we brought home a kitten or, and for anyone who hasn't done that yet, I just want to say, make sure you think about this because this is not a short term thing. And having a dog is a 10 to 20 year commitment and you need to be ready for that. And you know, their needs don't go away just because you have to go back to work. So that's what I'm saying to a lot of people is I know it's tough and I know that you're lonely, but there's lots of options out there like fostering. And there's so many homeless animals right now that need temporary homes. Uh, so that's a good thing too. I know I'm getting a little off track here, yeah. but I'm just no. trying to, to preach that and say, you know, if this is something that you're looking for, maybe go and foster and then you can have a friend in the short term, but you don't have to make that long-term commitment to them. Yeah, it's the same problem that we you have with uh, with bunnies in Easter. People think, oh, it's yes. so cute. Got to get a, a bunny for yeah. my kids for Easter. And yeah, it's a commitment. <laughs> you got to be I ready had, for it. I had pet rabbits when I was younger. They're, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I did too. You know what? I think it all depends on your experience and your setup. Because I grew up in the city. Uh, I had two rabbits. But we had this big fenced-in dog run. And the rabbits would go out there during the day. And they were litter trained, so they would use the litter box and then they would come into their cage at night. So it it wasn't a ton of work because they had each other. So they were companions with one another and then Mm -hmm. they had tons of space to run around. Um, So they were happy buddies. And I feel like happy bunnies are a little bit easier than just a caged rabbit where you have to spend all that time and clean them out regularly and clean them out. Um, So I have two rabbits now as well. Yeah, (laughs) I have two rabbits that are my um, chicken coop lawnmowers. So they live in the chicken coop and they keep the grass cut down and their job is very simple. I mean, their rent gets paid continuously. And uh, although they're not really companion bunnies, they don't like to be held. They don't like to be cuddled, but uh, they have a pretty good life and they enjoy just the space that they have to graze and they groom each other and they love each other. So I figure that's, that's the perfect type of pet rabbit for me. (laughs) that's great i love it yeah hey if there's anything that's more i can't think of anything more hallmarky than uh talking about uh proper pet adoption it's true it's a a good thing to talk about so very good well so you started acting at a pretty young age if i'm Mm -hmm. mistaken and and how did that end up happening you grew up on a on a farm and how did you end up getting involved 
Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Sorry, you just said that. For me, um, I think I was just. Some kids are just natural performers. I want to say, and for me, it started very young. I think I was two or three when I started. Um, commanding my parents to sit and watch my plays that I would put on solo. You sound like me. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or I want to say hours on end and they would just keep going and my parents would try to get up and leave and I'd be like, it's not done yet. And so, <laughs> so when I was eight, they enrolled me in a theater program for kids, which was the best thing ever. It was in my hometown of London, Ontario. It was called the Original Kids Theater Company. And it was a perfect outlet for kids like you and I who just want to perform. And so I went to their camps and we did two plays each year and I just loved it. And so then as the years went on, when I was around 10 or 11, uh, the theater company recommended me to an agency in Toronto. And they said, you know, maybe this is something that you want to do. You obviously have a genuine love for it and you love performing. So I met with a few different agencies and um, then they signed me up and I started auditioning. So I was around 12 when I broke into the on-screen world and loved it. And I was very lucky that I was in productions that uh, again, were like fun and wholesome and just, places where a kid can express themselves, but they don't feel out of their comfort zone. And right. so I had a lot of fun with that. And I wasn't, I wasn't too into it where I missed a ton of school. I was still able to have my friends. Uh, so that made a big difference as well. Great. That's great. So how did you hear about the whole of the whole Heartland uh, audition and what was that process like getting hey, Rachel before getting... we get to before we get to Heartland I just have to ask about Christmas shoes first because that's the first thing <laughs> I saw you in how old were you when you did Christmas shoes uh, I was 12 I was, yes I was in the eighth grade um, I remember because I had to miss my uh, eighth grade graduation to Ouch. film that. <laughs> it was one of those like bittersweet moments because I was so excited and it was filmed in Halifax, which is on the East Coast, in the most beautiful place. And I was so excited to be able to go and film with Rob Lowe and Maria Del Mar and Kimberly Williams. And it was just like, it was exactly that bittersweet. I was like, I'm so excited to do this, but I have to, there's things that you have to give up as a child actor oh, in yeah. order to pursue mm -hmm. what you love. So, uh, and I know lots of kids in the industry have expressed the same thing. You know, it's like, we love what we do, but we have to give up a lot of moments in our childhood to be able to achieve that. So that, that was the one thing, but honestly, it was such a small, a small event in the bigger scheme of things. And I was still able to um, have a party with my friends after and all that kind of thing. So um, it was, it was a really cool experience. Halifax was beautiful. Uh, the cast and crew were amazing. And it was just, it was a really nice um, kind of look into the world of film and television at a young age. Well, and you had a great singing voice. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Did you always get to go to school then or did you end up doing some homeschool? A little bit here and there, just the nature of the industry. But uh, like I said, I was so lucky to be able to have just a normal childhood and any projects that I did were either usually filmed over the summer months. So I was out of school at the time or else they were only three to four weeks during the school period. So I was able to homeschool for that time, but then go to school for the rest of the, the year. So it didn't, I wouldn't say that it, it took a toll on my schooling or, you know, my, my friend life, uh, so to speak, because when you're young, that's so important, and mm -hmm. especially through high school. And I, I really didn't miss a whole lot of school because of it. 
That's great. That's great. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I just heard the someone wants to say hello. Yes, it's always Heartland. That's it's perfect. the real Heartland. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when you first got the role uh, in Heartland, did you have a sense that this was going to be something special or? or I wanted it what? to be. I think yeah. that, you know, in my heart, I, I loved the role. I fell in love with not just the role, but the entire story. You know, here is something that is wholesome it's positive. It's, it's a story that makes people happy. And I think that there's more of that needed in the world. And especially 13, 14 years ago, when we first started filming the pilot, there wasn't a whole lot of content out there that really grasped at that. And I think yeah. Heartland was kind of like, oh, this is exactly what the world needs. And to be able to, to go into a character that I feel can inspire people and show people that it doesn't have to be about blood and guts and gore and fast paced, we can just take a breath and enjoy what we have and the simple way of living. Yeah, definitely. I think that now, that's Amy, true. Amy was, Amy was 15 at the beginning, correct? That's how right. old were, how old were you when you filmed the pilot? I was 18 when we uh -huh. filmed the pilot. Okay. And so we filmed uh, just the one episode for the pilot several months before. And then once we were greenlit for the series, I was 19 when we started season one. Okay. Cool, yeah. The, it must've been a, an interesting experience to kind of m mature along with the character. As the character matures, you are also maturing as a, as a person. She's obviously a little bit younger than you, but, but uh, to play a character that long and have her grow and you know she ends up having a child and you know in in you are married you know are married and in just uh, changing as a person that must must be kind of an interesting journey took her long enough it's to get married though <laughs> <laughs> there's a true fan right there <laughs> you know, it is almost unheard of to be able to play a character for over a decade and yeah. to be able to grow true. that character and I think that that's something that's really special about Heartland is there's shows uh, that take place in a high school setting where there's, those characters aren't allowed to grow because once they leave the high school setting, it's no longer a show. Right. So that's such a beautiful thing about Heartland is that it's a real family. It's a real story of these people could be doing exactly this in real life. Mm -hmm. And so we're allowed to grow, we're allowed to mature, we're allowed to make mistakes. And another really cool thing is that the writers see all of us in our daily lives and they're able to pull stories and to take ideas from things that are going on in our, our own lives and <laughs> apply that to our characters. So I feel like over the course of Heartland, we became more like our characters and our characters became more like us because the writers were seeing our interactions and what we were doing and they were writing for that and then in turn I moved from the city in London Ontario to the country in Alberta where you know I was living such a similar life to my character and still am and so I feel like both paths kind of merged into one over time which has really given the stories such a realness and believability and I, a lot of people think that I actually live on the Heartland Ranch and I'm actually married to Ty and, and it, oh, it's just funny how how it just becomes all consuming. And, um, and I'm proud of that because that means that we're doing something right. That means that we're bringing audiences into our Heartland family 
and just really making them feel like this is real. This is what it should be like. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, so did you uh, always have like a comfortable uh, experience with the horses or is that something that uh, you had to learn as, as a teen? Because uh, you work with them so much on the show. I think it would have been really difficult to go into Heartland with no horse experience. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> yes. Um, I was lucky to uh, start riding when I was four years old. And I got my first horse at the age of 12. So I had already, I had two horses when I auditioned for the role, which I think definitely helped in the decision because definitely. You know, they, they wanted someone who knew their way around horses. And I was also lucky that I was experienced in both Western and English because of course my character on the show does both disciplines. And right. if you only know one, it's, it is a learning curve. And so I had um, taken English writing lessons for a few years and then I switched to Western. So it was nice because I had that, the fundamentals of both. And so we found that guest stars that come on the show that are new to horses, but their characters are supposed to be experienced, have a hard time with it just because it's, it's a new thing they have to think about on top of remembering their lines, knowing where their mark is, knowing where the cameras are, meeting a whole new group of actors. So it's very intimidating. And I think the fact that I already had that good foundation with horses meant that they actually gave me confidence instead of the other. When I was on top of a horse, I felt more grounded. I felt more stable. I felt like I just, I could own it. Whereas I think some people, it's the opposite if they're not comfortable with them. Kevin yes. McGarry. Kevin McGarry, when, he told us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. <laughs> Kevin McGarry, when, we've interviewed him twice, and he told us about how he lied, saying that he totally knew how to ride. <laughs> I have and, to say, though, Kevin is a natural. And some wow. people, uh, Carrie James, who plays Caleb, is also a natural on horses. Uh -huh. <laughs> Graham Mortal is not. <laughs> it's funny how there's just, there's some people... Um, and it's not like it's a level of sportiness um, or athleticism because Graham's a very athletic guy, but uh -huh. some people just connect with horses better. And it's interesting when new actors come on set that have never been around them and you, you know right away. You can just tell if it's going to work or it's not going to work. And so they build the, the writers build upon that. If it works, they write in more horse stuff. If it doesn't work, they write in less horse stuff. Because you don't want to put an actor in a situation where it's going to be dangerous or even it's just unnatural and, and looks odd. Um, so we've learned over the years that you kind of just experiment a little in the beginning and, and judge the, the comfort level. And then if it works, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Alicia Newton actually was a perfect example. Uh, she fell so in love with horses. And when she first started the show, she had ridden before, but not a whole lot. And she had a little bit of fear there, but she loved the horses so much that she started taking riding lessons on her own time. And now oh she owns a horse. She's been a very um, a talented jumper for the last several years. And so that right. really adds to the story because we can include that and we can show that character and her doing these tasks, which is, which is really cool. And it makes the show so much more real. Right. Yeah. Kevin told us how you taught him how to rope. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was, he said, that girl is so awesome. <laughs> so he had very, very high praise for you. And I have to say, uh, I mean, obviously the character of Ty in the beginning is very apprehensive around horses, but you know, in the later years when he, when he's been on a horse, 
either he does a really good job of acting or all these years have rubbed off on him because he's, no, he's definitely he pretty good. It's been over a decade of being with horses every day. Exactly. So I would hope yeah. that it rubs off a little bit. But yeah, I definitely um, have noticed all of the actors that have been on the show that had little experience in the beginning have just taken to it so well. And they have a genuine appreciation for the horses as co-stars. You know, they're not just horses. They're not just animals. They are our, act, our fellow actors. Mm -hmm. And when you're able to have that bond with those horses, it makes your job so much easier because you can just, you know what to expect from them. They know what to expect from you. And of horses, they're not, they're not there to act. They're just there to be. They're present. They will give you what you give them. And so the better you can understand how they work, then the better you're going to have uh, an easier time of your job too. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some times when they have to use a stunt double if you're going to fall or something like that. Uh, how does that all kind of work? Because you do so much of it yourself versus when to, to bring in the stunt double. Right. Well, we have a stunt coordinator, Tom Erickson, who he sits in all the preliminary meetings and he looks at each stunt. So a stunt is, is classified as basically anything uh, over a trot. You know, even when the characters are, are cantering, loping through a field, that's considered a stunt. So really? he'll take a look at it. Yeah. Oh. And, uh, and so he'll take a look at the scripts and he'll mark uh, ideas that he thinks would need a stunt performer and of course it changes with each character and each actor so if it's a brand new actor that we've never worked with before we bring in a stunt double every day that they're around a horse at all because we want to have someone there just in case they have a fear of the horses or you know something isn't working out we want to have a backup so that sure. we can switch them in and for characters like myself and alicia who uh, are comfortable around the horses, that's up to Tom to decide if he thinks that it's something that we can handle, that we can do, or if it's worth, even if we can handle doing it, is it worth us doing it? Or is it better to bring in someone who um, will make sure that there's absolutely no risk of us getting hurt? What's your, what's your percentage of, your, of doing your own stunts versus bringing in the coordinator? Well, it's hard to say. Um, yeah, really I know depends. it's probably random. Yeah, because it also depends on the horse. So mm. for example, I know Stormy so well. Stormy plays the role of Spartan right. since the first season. And so I trust him, I know him. If it's a new horse that uh, we haven't had on set before, they like to bring in someone because sometimes they just spook at the lights, at the people, at, the, at whatever, right? And we don't sure. know how they're gonna react. So it's kind of a, I would say to answer your question, I would do, 85% of the horsework um, per episode and sometimes 100%. But okay. it just depends on, on what, what the character's doing, what horse they're on, and, and not only that, but the conditions. You know, sometimes we're filming in pouring rain and we're <laughs> running a horse on grass. And that's a scary thing. You know, it could yeah. be the, the most bomber horse in the world and the most experienced rider, but if that horse slips, well, you can have a big problem on your hands. So we also look at the conditions. Mm -hmm. We look at um, what's going on. We just want to make sure that all our actors are safe, but also the horses are safe as well. So it's kind of a, a fine balance of picking the right person for the job at that time. Mm -hmm. So do you have a favorite uh, sort of a plot line or, or story beat that, that Amy took that was your favorite to, to play? Absolutely. Over the years. Actually, I've had a few. And I think the funny thing about 
Heartland is that we get to experience so many different disciplines, which as a horse person, you usually pick your comfort zone. You pick something that you enjoy and you don't deviate from it a whole lot. So a jumper's a jumper, a dressage rider's a dressage rider, a, a roper's a roper. You know what? You just kind of get involved in your own discipline. And the great thing about Heartland is that my character gets to try literally everything. So I And get she's really it. good at everything. Yeah. I know. Isn't that amazing? And Spartan can do it all too. I know. <laughs> I was like, it's man, magic. he can jump. He can do liberty work. He can what what can't Spartan do? Can we talk? I know. I know. He's magic. He's a unicorn. We just, you know, we haven't seen his horn yet. But <laughs> it is amazing though. But it's it's funny because a lot of people put themselves in that box when they're riding and they say, no, my horse is a dressage horse. It can't mm. do Western. It can't do. And I always say, why? The only person, the, the only entity that's putting you in that box is yourself. Your horse can do whatever you believe it's capable of doing. You just have to put the time and effort into it. And for example, with my own horses, my husband has a really nice quarter horse that he team ropes off of. It was bred and raised as a cutting horse. I oh. jump off it. We trail it. We like I've done everything with that horse and wow. he's so versatile and it's like, don't ever limit your horse because you think that they're only meant to do one thing. And so that's one thing I really do love about Heartland is that it's, it's opened up riders eyes to a world outside of their comfort zone, a world outside of the discipline that they grew up knowing. And I've had a lot of people say, you know, ever since watching Heartland, I've started doing Liberty with my horse, or I've decided to take my Western horse and do jumping lessons, or, you know, all these things that make me so proud that we're able to demonstrate that and to inspire people. I'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast there, the good folks over at HelloFresh. And HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. One of the things I love about HelloFresh is that it is really, really great for, for single dining like I do and single cooking uh, because a lot of times when you make a recipe, you'll end up with a whole bottle of some sauce or spice that you are not going to use again for a long time. And so with HelloFresh, you only get just what you need for that one recipe. And so it allows you to kind of try out new things, try out new flavors. And it's also great for families too, uh, to save time, to save trips to the store, which you know are all the more stressful these days. And it's great. Uh, they, can, they can provide contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. Uh, they cut out stressful meal planning, grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes with their quick recipe options. HelloFresh can also help you eat more sustainably. Uh, their pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or already recycled content. HelloFresh's carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals. It's just a winner all the way around. Fit your lifestyle better. You can add extra proteins. You can add desserts. You can add garlic bread every week. It's really, really wonderful. They also donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019. And this year, stepping up their food donation amid the coronavirus crisis. And right now, if you go to hellofresh.com slash 80 Hallmarkies and use code 80 Hallmarkies to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box, the additional restrictions apply. Please visit 
HelloFresh.com for more details. That's an incredible deal. It's uh, at HelloFresh.com slash 80s Hallmarkies. Use code 80s Hallmarkies to get $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. And additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. And so we'll have all the information in the description section. Please check it out. I know you'll love it. And so to go back to my favorite story, I do believe it's the Liberty work because I have so much fun with that. And I, I, um, I have such a connection with Nikki Fundra, who is, has been the Liberty trainer for uh, the last several years. And her and I, we work together so well. And she actually will double me a lot of times for some of the Liberty work. And so we just have such a great friendship and connection and you know she can dance into the scene with spartan and then dance out the other side and i dance in and we just have this like wonderful kind of connection to be able to get all of the things that we need to get to show on the on the production well i have to i have to tell you that when i found heartland uh i was i was pregnant or i had just given birth to to my third child i believe and so i had a lot of sitting time and recovery time. And so I would sit and I would watch these episodes and I grew up, I grew up in the suburbs. I'm not a city girl, but I'm not necessarily a country girl. And I took, I took writing lessons as a young girl, but I didn't really advance past maybe age uh, eight or so, but I still love to ride anytime I get the chance. And I'm sitting there watching the episodes and I'm going, gosh, it's beautiful. Wow. I'd love to own a ranch one day. What the heck am I thinking? So, <laughs> so you guys do your job very, very well. But you're not alone in that. You know, I think I so know. many people, it has- I've heard a lot of people say A it. love for horses. Well, here's a, here's a quick story. My uh, grandmother, who's in her late eighties now, at the age of 80, after watching Heartland, she was inspired to get on a horse for the first time in her life. 80 years old. And so when people say to me, oh yeah, I'd love to ride, but I'm too old to start now. I tell them that story and I say, are you 80? Well, then you're not too old. <laughs> and so it is, it's just such a nice thing that people watch the show and they just, they become immersed in that beautiful reality. And they say, you know, this is something that I want in my life. And I think that that's, that's something to be proud of for all of us because we're opening up a whole new way of thinking to a lot of people that have, and I talk about, you know, being in that box with one discipline. Well, it's also the fact that they think, oh, well, you know, you can only ride as a kid. And if you haven't, it's, you know, you might as well not start now. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you have, if you have that want to go and do something, then just go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it seems yeah. like to me, yeah, horse agrees. Uh, it seems like to me, it started out as you know, just a, a show on a, a show on Canada, so with Canada fans, which is amazing. Um, but now, in recent years, it's gotten exposure all over the place. And have you felt that? Have you felt like uh, all, you know, gotten now all American fans, and uh, you know, even maybe even beyond? Yes, we're in a hundred and nineteen. Yeah. And I, and it really resonates with us because we see it when we're filming in the town of High River, which is um, Heartland's town of Hudson. Okay. Uh, there are people that travel from around the world just to come to High River, Alberta, Canada, to yeah. see the town of Hudson. And it at first Why I was not? just like, oh, 
Oh yeah, exactly. Well, at first I was just like, what are all these people doing here? And then we started to go and, and hear their stories and talk with fans. And they're like, we traveled here from Brazil, from Australia, from Europe, because we watch Heartland and we wanted to see what was in that TV screen because we fell in love with the horses, we fell in love with the characters, but most of all, we fell in love with the Vista and they just wanted to come and experience that for themselves. Yeah, it really is. Uh, a, f a few years ago, I interviewed journalist Gordon Holmes, and he told us he told us that uh, his dad is a huge Heartland fan. They loved Heartland, and so he got his dad a assigned uh, a signed uh, a, a uh, cast uh, photo uh, for the for the gift for his um, wedding party or for his wedding. He got his dad a Heartland photo. Aww. <laughs> It really is all over the place. Well, that's great. Well, we want to talk a little bit about your new your movie coming up this weekend, uh, Love yes. and Harmony Valley on Up TV. And it must be kind of nice since you're so well known for playing one character to occasionally step into an, a different character and get to uh, just expand your acting in that way. It's a funny thing because a lot of my friends in the industry if they're on a series, you know, they do that for a year or two and then they move on to the next thing and they're constantly changing characters and castmates and on-screen love interests and all this. And for me, yeah, I've been married to Ty for 10 years. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's a very different thing because I'm so used to working with the same group of people, the same family. And we have become so close that it's really not like acting anymore. When I'm with the Heartland family, we genuinely feel like a family. Yeah. But then when you step onto a different set in a different role with different actors that you've just met that day, and you're supposed to be playing characters that have known each other for years, it's a completely different reality. And it's funny, I almost, I want to think of it as what speed dating would be like because you go in there and you're like okay I have to know as much about you as I can in a very short period of time because I want to get to know you as a person as an actor so that I feel comfortable with you when I'm on screen and it's interesting you know and, and the cast the cast of Love and Harmony Valley was amazing and they were so down to earth so open that right away we just had a connection and that really helps because I can't imagine if you walked onto a set and all of a sudden you're like, well, they're going to be fun to work with because that would be, <laughs> that would be a whole new experience. And then you'd have to try to, to put away your personal differences and just try to focus on the character. But the great thing about Love and Harmony Valley was right away, we were all friends and that makes a big difference. And for me, I just try, I try to learn as much about the other actors as I can, because I feel like once you break down those walls and once you understand one another, then you can have a better relationship on screen because it's just one of those things that if you don't know someone, if someone's a stranger, it's really hard to be intimate with them on screen. Whereas yeah. if you know a little bit about them and you understand them, where they grew up, what their family was like, what animals they have, which is important for me. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, now you can see them as a friend and it's easier to let your guard down on screen. 
Yeah. That's an amazing analogy. That's an amazing analogy. I I majored in theater in college and acting is my first love. And I have never heard anything (laughs) described like that. And never. That's, that is brilliant. It was a different experience for me because, you know, like I said, I've been on the same show for so many years working with the same people that you just become close over time because you're spending so much time together. But it was a very, uh, yeah, it was a very unique experience. I remember telling my husband, I said, you know, I've acted, I know what it's like to have different love interests and pretend to be in love with people and all that. But I got to tell you, it is so interesting that Amber Marshall and Graham Wardle didn't fall in love in real life because they just played in love for so long. I'm actually kind of surprised that they're married to different people. <laughs> and you're, and so many people have said that. And I think that's why a lot of fans believe that Graham and I are in an actual relationship together. Right. And I love Graham. I love Graham. You know, oh, we are really close friends, but I'm not in love with Graham. And that's the difference is that I think for two people, Graham and I are so different. Like he's never owned an animal. He, you know, oh, lives my. in in the city he like I just were different enough that it never would have worked off screen and I think a lot of people are used to seeing his character and they think well why wouldn't she fall in love with him like he's a vet and he loves animals and he rides horses and and it's like well just because I'm so close to my character doesn't mean that everybody else is and you know for me I'm attracted to people who love animals as much as I do and and want to have this you know and my husband is so accepting and accommodating and he loves horses and we go team roping together and we ride together and we do all those things that I've always dreamed of as Mm -hmm. a little girl you know I wanted to be with someone that could share ranch life with me and he can fix any piece of equipment he can drive any piece of equipment he now that's impressive (laughs) well and that's that's what is in my heart right so I always wanted someone that I could say okay honey uh once you finish fixing the tractor can you hook up the trailer we're gonna go off in the mountains and have a nice lunch on the horses like just that's what I always wanted and that's what I found in Sean so I think for two characters, you know, it, it's, it definitely is a bonus that Graham and I get along so well because, yes. you know, we've been acting together for years mm-hmm. and we can let our guard down and I feel completely comfortable with him just that's as you would wonderful. with a best friend. That is wonderful. So I think that, that that's what makes the difference in Amy and Ty's relationship is that we don't, there's no walls, you know, mm-hmm. we don't feel like we're being judged by one another. We don't mm-hmm. feel any of that. It's just, we are great friends that have been playing lovers for years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I've been kissing Graham longer than I've known my husband. So it's just, <laughs> it's just one of those things that it's just the way it is. And um, yeah. I think that it's a really, it's a really nice way of being able to go to work and, yeah. uh, and work with people that you genuinely care about. Yeah. Now in, uh, Love in Harmony Valley, your character has several panic attacks. And I was wondering if that's something that you that you uh, could tap into at all? Or how did you prepare to have that, uh, have that experience to show that? That's a great question, because I myself had never experienced a panic attack in my own life. And mm-hmm. so I didn't know what that was like. And I'd been, uh, I had been talking to a few people that have had similar experience and I I got their experience but um, right before I went and and took on the role 
I had someone approach me that said, you know, I, I just, I heard you're going to do this role. I just want to tell you that it's a really serious thing. And here's my experience. And she was able to tell me her full experience of suffering panic attacks and how all consuming it was. And then she also explained, you know, how she felt in the moment and how she felt before and after. And that was valuable to me because it was, it was something where I could actually see someone opening up and letting me know that this is such a real thing and that it's a scary thing. And so I was able to use her experience in the film which was very valuable to me. And That's character. gold. That is gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. As someone who has had panic attacks in my life, I, I think you did a really good job. And uh, I think what's interesting about after you had one panic attack, your greatest kind of fear is having another. And so you can kind of, you're more, you, you end up having, you can have panic attacks about having panic attacks and yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a, an interesting thing that you have to kind of learn strategies that will help you to be able to not have that happen and uh, that you can you know function uh, and uh, and so I thought you did a, a really good job and I admired that and uh, I think that the movie works because to be honest, normally I'm not a big fan of save the town kind of storylines. It can be pretty Just boring not. for me. <laughs> but in this case, I think it really worked because there I felt like there were actual stakes and it was more than just just a because a lot of times it's like there's no way they're this this cute little bookstore or this cute little uh cute little you know restaurant is going to actually close. So but here I felt like because it was a more layered discussion than that. I felt like it worked and it was really about these relationships, particularly, particularly between you and your grandma. And, uh, and you know, you're trying to get this relationship with Will. Uh, anyway, I just thought there were layers there with the relationships. So it was more than just this save the town kind of thing. If that makes yeah. sense. No, and I appreciate hearing that too, because it, uh, I felt that when we went to film this, um, there was a lot of work being done on the scripts. And so mm-hmm. we had already started shooting certain scenes and then there was a lot of like rewrites going on in the middle of it. So it's really hard as mm-hmm. a character to know your whole arc when it's constantly changing and you've already started shooting. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a, a big challenge for me because typically when we go into an episode of Heartland, it's completely, there's a few changes here and there, but the scripts are finished. And so it's like, you know where your character starts in that episode and you know where they end. And, and you know how to get there. Middle. Yeah, because we don't shoot in order, right? So you could mm-hmm. be filming the last scene first and the first scene last. And so you want to know in your homework that, okay, this is what's happened at this point and this is what's going to happen. Whereas that was a little bit tricky for me because I didn't know what was going to happen in the rewrites. And I was just kind of projecting, okay, so I'll start my character here and Hopefully it's going to happen like this, but if it doesn't, you know, how can I shape this so that it still makes sense to the audience? And um, it was definitely, I'm not going to say that this was an easy project for me because it was completely outside of my comfort zone. I was living uh, sort of with family and in hotel rooms because I'm now full-time in Alberta and I flew into Ontario to do this role. So I was there for six weeks living out of hotel rooms and going to see family on weekends. And so it was kind of a different experience than what I'm, I'm used to. And uh, it took a while for me to just kind of get in the groove of things and just create a routine 
that worked. And, uh, and, you know, living in hotel rooms for me, it's really difficult because I'm mm-hmm. used to getting up, doing my chores. All of that is my regular routine. So I would wake up and I'm like, well, I guess I'll go up and down the stairs a few times. And I guess I'll like walk across the street to the coffee shop. And like, it was just, it was me learning how to have a completely new routine, yeah. which kind of worked with the character because the character was learning how to live her life in a fresh new way as well. So I, I hope that that kind of translated into the character in a good way as opposed to you know just seeming flustered and i uh, think so because your character's coming back so it kind of it makes sense that there's like that little bit of maybe awkwardness a little bit of uncomfortableness like it fits with the character and uh, so i enjoyed it i thought it was a solid little film and it definitely uh tries to take on more than you typically see in like just these uh, little romances it has a little bit more like a little more stakes which i appreciated and yeah. uh you know you and your relationship with your friend uh tracy and trying to rebuild that trying to forgive each other for the accident there was i can kind of tell what you're saying about them with the script because they did tackle a lot there was a lot of story for a, <laughs> a, it, like a 90 minute was, movie it was continually changing so yeah it was that makes sort sense. of us going what have we already shot? How can we fit this in now? And uh, it was a little bit grasping at straws at times, um, but a really great crew and everybody was so upbeat and positive, which I love. Like I've heard horror stories, I've never experienced this yet, where you go onto a set and everybody's just miserable and they're yelling at one another. And this was so just, nice you know that kind of atmosphere alone would give you a panic attack (laughs) yes exactly Exactly. but it happens they're out there yeah i've heard from from friends of mine in the industry like it was really difficult just because everybody was so on edge all the time Mm. and i can't imagine trying to tackle a role especially a new role with new people uh with that kind of environment so i was really lucky that the cast and crew were phenomenal and everybody was so supportive and uh, that was a, a really nice kind of break into something new. When was it and filmed? We, uh, October. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We interviewed the director, Justin Dyke, and, yes. I, and he's so great. So oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that, just that energy, you know, just everybody was just, just so easygoing too, which is, is something that's really nice on a film set because a lot of times it's rush here, rush there, hurry up you know, get this done. And it was a, just a very calm set. Great. Well, well, people need to watch it. It's uh, this Saturday on TV. And so we like to end our interviews with a little bit of fun questions. And <laughs> it's Christmas in July over on Hallmark Channel. So we're going to take you to the holidays. And we're right. going to ask you about some Christmas questions. Okay, uh, sitting so, out here in the beautiful weather. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so Christmassy, but hey, I'm, yes. well, I'm in Texas, so he, oh, Christmas, Christmas shoes in which you express that you enjoy. Yes, filmed in I believe <laughs> yeah. it. I believe it because most of them are nowadays. <laughs> but I'm in Texas, so you know, even in December, it can be fifty degrees. <laughs> so, and that's on a cold day. <laughs> Christmas all year long, right? Ooh. That's what we do in the Hallmarkies podcast, at least. But uh, okay, so first question: What is your favorite holiday drink? Holiday drink? Yeah, hot, peppermint hot chocolate. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> girl after my um, own heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, your favorite holiday cookie or treat? Oh, them all. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm such a, a sweet tooth, honestly. Ooh. I, but I like, I like chocolate. Like that's more. And I think for me, uh, growing up, my grandma always made really good homemade chocolate chip cookies. And oh. those were just, well, they were a treat all year round, but I especially loved them at Christmas time. And she would make a Christmas cake and a, um, you know, those peanut butter bars with like marshmallows in them and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Those are always so good. And then there was like cluster cookies with chocolate and pretzels and like a weird combination that was amazing. So I, me I hungry. Just, this was a really long answer to your quick <laughs> question. Uh, so I'll say all of the above. Yeah. We'll be getting the Amber Marshall holiday sweets cookbook yes. coming up. <laughs> all right. Well, in the spirit of you singing in Christmas shoes, what is your favorite Christmas song? Oh, I love Christmas music too. I'm such a Christmas geek. Uh, and my husband hates it. So it's oh, really no. bad because I start playing Christmas music like in November 1st. And he's like, no, he's like, you need to wait a month. <laughs> He's like, this does not go on until December 1st. Yeah, but so, in Canada, think, you can get away with that because your Thanksgiving is in October. So. That's true. And there's always that's, snow on the ground in November. Right, so that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. I really like, um, I really love when artists create their own Christmas songs that aren't just the traditional songs because we get sick of hearing traditional Christmas music. So it's really nice when... Um, like, oh, now you put me on the spot. I'm trying to think. It's July. I'm trying to think of a Christmas song. <laughs> Brain um, trying to switch over. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, Honestly, I just, I love heartfelt music. And I think that uh, Christmas songs that are heartfelt and not just the typical like jingle are mm -hmm. what I usually gravitate towards. That's why Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is my favorite. I think part of it is because I love Judy Garland and I, she always, you know, sang it with such heart in uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. It's such a great scene. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I think there are those ones that are just kind of the, the fun ones, you know, your jingle mm -hmm. bells and stuff, but then the ones that have a little more mm to them. So, all right. Well, do you have a favorite classic Christmas movie that you watch every, every um, year? Christmas Shoes still makes me cry when I watch it. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I, I was never much of a TV watcher, I have to say. Uh -huh. So in my profession, that's probably not a good thing to say, but I, I never- <laughs> You're not the first. <laughs> <laughs> I never spend a lot of time watching the classics. Um, and I think for me, a Christmas movie needs to make you feel good. And it needs to have kind of that- a little corny twist to it. It's something that just makes you feel good inside after and in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, well, that Hallmark's the perfect channel for that. Yeah. Uh, very good. <laughs> okay, uh, so do you have a, did you have a memorable Christmas gift that you got as a, like your Red Rider baby gun moment? <laughs> you know, we were never a, a real big gift family. Uh, for us, it was more about having a nice big feast with friends and family. So mm -hmm. I never had any specific Christmas gift that stood out for me. A, a tradition that I've created more recently, like in the last 10 years, 
uh, is that we always go and chop down a Christmas tree in the woods with the horses and then drag the tree back. And that's something that to me just says Christmas. Well, that's and, very uh, Heartland-esque. It is, it is, I know, it's a little cliche, but I love it. And I honestly, like, I bring my peppermint hot chocolate and thermoses, we put them on the uh, saddlebags. Uh, if it's oh not gosh. too cold, we bring like marshmallows or hot dogs or something and make a fire and just enjoy it, take a day of it. And wow. for me, that's like, I'm more of the like, do things outside as opposed to create traditions inside. And, but then I do love bringing the tree home and decorating it. And that's just, it's all part of it, right? It's the Christmas spirit. And I'm yeah, so great. lucky to live in a place that has snow because I can't imagine I've, I've holidayed before over Christmas in warmer climates. And I'm like, you guys, this isn't Christmas. Like there's no snow. Like it just, <laughs> it just doesn't have the same feel. And I think that's what's so romantic about a lot of the Christmas movies, especially for people who live in Southern States and don't experience the snow at mm -hmm. Christmas is they can kind of be lost in this world of this fantasy that I get to live in and experience. And uh, that's really special for me. So for me, Christmas is about snow. It's about spruce trees and pine trees. And like, this sounds so corny, but no, you know, like, it's I, perfect. <laughs> I always remember as a kid, the bright red, um, uh, cardinals that would sit in the trees during Christmas and I always felt like those trees were already pre-decorated with the wildlife that was around yeah. and it's just like that's what Christmas is to me is just this feeling of of a peaceful a peaceful easy feeling and uh, and just snow on the ground and that quietness because for those people who haven't experienced snow in large amounts when there's a couple feet of snow on the ground and you go outside and you just stand there there is this shockingly quiet sound because the snow absorbs all sound. And it's just like you could hear, you know, someone from way down the road calling to you. And it's just, I love that feeling. And yeah. um, that's what Christmas is to me. It's just peaceful and quiet. That's great. Well, so we have some, some uh, either or. If you had to pick, which would you pick, Scrooge or the Grinch? The Grinch. Okay. <laughs> Clear lights or colored? <laughs> Which? Clear lights yeah. or colored? Oh. Clear lights. Okay. Would you rather be in a snowball fight or build a snowman? Mm, build a snowman. Are you Very a good, good gift wrapper or no? Um, decent. Yeah. Okay, last question. Do you have an ugly Christmas sweater? <laughs> yes i think i have a couple <laughs> okay, what's your ugliest christmas sweater look like um it's it has like a bunch of like pom-poms on it and it's like really tacky <laughs> colors of knitted uh red and green and white oh, and good. it doesn't have lights on it though i have seen some with flashing lights oh so yeah I haven't had that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well very good you passed the test <laughs> You're okay. making I didn't land. know I was being judged, but I'm, I'm glad I passed. <laughs> yeah. You know, the clear lights answer docks to I a know. point, so you got a 99 well, instead of 100. <laughs> Did you see me stutter there? I was like, mm, I knew what you wanted to hear, but I just can't, I can't lie. Can't so, lie. and I think it's I think as children, we love colored lights. I'm not saying that you're still a child. <laughs> hey, when it comes I, to Christmas, I, I totally am. So 
for me, I, I love, and we talked about the fact that I love like the quiet and the peacefulness yeah. and just the true beauty that mm. surrounds Christmas time. And I think that's why I love white lights so much yeah. because they just go with that. If I had like a bunch of like flashing lights, then we would all be singing jingle bells and it would just be a different feeling. Yeah. Whereas for me, yeah. it's just about that, the quietness. And so that's going back to the Christmas songs. I think I like the songs that have more of a, a slow, nice, easy feeling to yeah. them. And just something that grounds you and, and makes you appreciate where you are and what you're doing and the people that you're with. I think that's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And (laughs) do you have social media at all that you want to share or anything like that? Yeah, I'm most um, prominent on my Instagram account, which is Amber underscore Marshall underscore farm for obvious reasons. Uh, And so uh, I, I love sharing photos and videos of my animals on there. And that's kind of what's kept me busy during this time as well as just sharing those experiences with those who are maybe confined to an apartment and uh, just can't go out and pet their duck or their alpaca. So I like to to share that with everybody else. And then of course I have uh, Twitter and Facebook and those can all be found on my website, which is just ambermarshall.com. Fantastic. We'll have all that in the description section and just make sure you all are following Amber and let us know your thoughts of all the different things that we talked about and put in the comment section or on Twitter. We would love to hear your thoughts and uh, Cammie, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Cammie Drama Girl. You can find me on Facebook, the Hooked Hardy Facebook page and my blog is hookedhardy.com. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please check that out. Make sure you're following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod, Hallmarkies Podcast, all over social media and on iTunes and YouTube. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And thanks again, Amber. This was so much fun. We loved getting to talk with you. And uh, and we'll, we'll look forward to hearing uh, more about... Uh, what happens next hopefully on on heartland uh, and yeah. uh, and with the with new movie so congratulations and uh, hopefully you'll be able to catch up another time but thank you very thank much. You so much yeah I had a okay great time. bye Thanks. everyone bye everybody <laughs>